Good morning, good morning, everyone. It's an awesome Sunday morning. Are you enjoying this wonderful spring weather? My word. I looked outside and there was this little patch of snow about that big. And I was like, you will give up today. You, today's the last day for you. Now, I don't know. It might snow again. Um, but I definitely don't think it's going to snow like it snowed a couple weeks ago. So I'm thankful for no more snow in my driveway. Now, I don't know about you guys. Uh, that snow was pretty rough. Um, I got out there with my little snow plow on my four-wheeler. My carburetor went out. So then I went and diverted back to my snowblower, and my snowblower flew a belt. And if it was, it was pretty rough. So it kept on coming down, and then I, I finally, it got away from me. And so I've been driving in on my driveway on top of ice for about three weeks. And uh, I was just happy. I was like, Lord, I'll just be happy when I can see all this asphalt again on my driveway. And uh, today was the day I could see it all. So. Um, let's all turn to our into our Bibles. Uh, we're going to be going to our lesson 3.2 on our God's Word for Life, and this the name of the title of this is "Feeding a City with a Sack Lunch." Um, we're in series 3.2. I've been keeping up with your books. I would like for you to stand. We're going to read one scripture, and you can be seated again. John, John chapter six, verse number 14. And it says this, After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Um, As the family's car rolled into the jam-packed parking lot, they were crossing their fingers hoping the inside wasn't as crowded as the outside. Anybody been there? The lot was brimming with cars, hinting at the bustling reception hall. Um, They strolled toward the entrance, exchanging grins with some familiar faces along the way, and a welcoming team was ready to whisk away their coats, keeping them from trailing on the floor or uh, cluttering the backs of the chairs inside. It was top-notch hospitality for sure. Inside, even with a gentle orchestra playing in the background, the family could pick up on the clatter of dishes and utensils sneaking through the occasional swiping kitchen door. They tried to catch a whiff of dinner, but they couldn't. Maybe this cold season was to blame. They, they, guided, uh, they were guided to their seats by the ushers, uh, but they couldn't help but notice how the hall Uh, mirrored the parking lot, absolutely filled to the brim. Dad had uh, had advised everyone to come with empty stomachs today, uh, anticipating a great feast. The hosts, known for their generosity and wealth, were sure to serve a meal to remember. As waiters topped up the glasses of water and tea and coffee, the family nibbled on the soft mince artfully placed on the centerpieces, which only fueled their hunger. Suddenly, the kitchen erupted with activity, and servers in aprons dashed out into the parking lot, returning empty-handed and visibly confused. They seemed to be searching for something, or someone, but to no avail. Two chefs decked out in traditional garb stepped out into the hall, their faces etched with concern, and they were trying to be subtle, but it was clear that they were counting heads. (laughs) 
Was there a miscalculation in the in the guest numbers? The, the family thought. The family had never seen such grandeur paired with apparent chaos. The venue had hosted events before, but nothing like this. The, anxi- the anxiety was palatable among the staff. The servers rushed uh, to the man with the mic and whispered urgently. And after a brief huddle in the kitchen, the announcement came, Dinner is served. The chef reappeared, uh, bearing a shiny platter. Setting it down with care, he lifted the dome to reveal a single sack lunch. And inside the sack lunch, a single lunchable from Quick Trip. <laughs> I, uh, my wife came early this morning for music practice, and on my way I needed, needed one lunchable, but I would have my baby daughter with me. And my other daughter was away on a ski trip. She just came back. And when I went in to grab a Lunchable, I had to get two. Because Maddie definitely wanted hers. And uh, she thought that was hers. So we had a little bit of a... She ended up with a Lunchable this morning. And so we we had a little snack before uh, she went to Sunday school. And I was able to still have one Lunchable for the illustration today. But I can imagine um, it was very similar to this, just one quick trip bag and one Lunchable. <laughs> the, gr- the crowd gasped. The host caught off guard, managed uh, a shaky, enjoy, and the evening had taken an unexpected turn. Now, John 6, 1 through 5 is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, sometime after, I'm going to read uh, I'm going to read the story of how this actually went down, not the modern version, but just bear with me. I think it's pertinent. Uh, we're going to just go ahead and read read the whole storyline, okay? If that's okay. Sometime after this, this is verse 1 of John chapter 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and that is the Sea of Tiberias. A great crowd of people followed him because they had saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. They Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples, the Jewish Passover festival was near. So this was the big party, uh, a giant Passover festival. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he already had in in mind what he was going to do. But Philip answered him uh, and said, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have just a bite. You can, can you imagine a half year's wages just stacked up in Lunchables up here for everyone just to come to grab one box of Lunchable? That's a lot of Lunchables, man. Now, if you buy them at Quick Trip, you're only going to get about half as many as if you went to like Costco or whatever, but still the same. Uh, Jesus said, have the people to sit down in verse number 10 and said, there was plenty, uh, the Bible says there was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those that were uh, seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And uh, somehow I skipped a very important scripture here. I need to go back here. Verse number 8. Right after uh, Philip said that it would take uh, half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Verse number 8 says, And another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. In verse 9 said, here's a boy, 
Uh, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, and I couldn't find the fish lunchables. I didn't. I tried my best, but I couldn't find the fish ones, so we went with turkey. I thought ham might be inappropriate because they were Jews. So I was like, no, I'm going to go with the turkey. This ham's a little bit, I don't know, just seemed like it would. I went with turkey anyway. So, so Andrew, Simon's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small, small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And then Jesus said, have the people to sit down, and there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as many as much as they wanted. So he gave them as many Lunchables as they could handle. Uh, for me, whenever I opened up Maddie's Lunchable, I was greatly disappointed by the size of the box compared to the size of the crackers in the little turkey circles. Uh, I was like, this is not a meal for a man by any means. There was a, Le- a Reese's uh, peanut butter cup, though, so that made things a little bit better, but she took that right away. So our sharing, I ended up eating just the cheese. Um, so I, I didn't get as much as I wanted. I probably could eat three of those, though. By probably, I don't know if I could handle three Capri Suns, but I could have handled three three of the crackers and cheese things. Um, and so verse 12 says, And when they had all uh, had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that were left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Uh, had eaten. And verse number 14 says, After the people saw the signs performed by Jesus, they began to say, Surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. And verse number 15 says, and this is what we, uh, we just read that scripture at the beginning. And verse number 15 says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Interesting part is at that point in time, they watched this miracle unfold and the people, all 5,000 that were there, plus women and children, decided at that moment, we're going to crown this man king because if he can turn fishes into loaves, or fishes and loaves into a lunch for 5,000 people, then obviously he might be able to do something about our government problem <laughs> that was their big issue their government problems and so over 5,000 men gathered on the mountainside to hear what Jesus would say and and see what he would do women wives sisters mothers daughters and children all came for uh for Jesus words and wonders also which swelled the crowd count to around 15,000 people and so um, they were only counting the men the head, when they were doing the head count for the, but 15,000 people sitting there on, on the, uh, hillside on the grass waiting for Jesus to, to break one lunchable up and feed them all. I don't, I, I wonder how that looked. I, I think about it in my mind was, was Jesus just so slick that he was able to do like magic tricks and like break the bread and then it still keeps coming out, you know, or. I couldn't. I, I don't really know what happened. Uh, how he did what he did. Maybe it was that he, the twelve disciples that were doing all the serving. Maybe every time they came back, it was just one at a time coming back to to give out all that they had. And so when they came back, Jesus had a whole another handful, and they never seen it really where it was coming from. But somehow, this miracle occurs where Jesus is constantly breaking the bread and giving it to another disciple, and they go out and they feed another group of people sitting on the grass. 
And whenever they, uh, the crowd had swelled to 15,000, they listened as Jesus taught them. So they were eating and, and listening. The crowd was hungry uh, for the word of God, but because they had been there so long, they were hungry also for dinner. And the disciples saw that, the, that uh, as a people problem and not a Jesus problem. They, they, were, they were pretty clear with Jesus that they should, these people should go back home if they want to eat. Uh, this isn't our problem, obviously. Uh, these people, you know, it's their responsibility. They should find a local restaurant or they should have brought, a, brought their own lunch. Um, but Jesus didn't see it that way. Um, and so if the crowd wanted to eat, the, the disciples said they should go home. Jesus saw this op- as an opportunity to test his followers, though, his followers' faith and raise, uh, raise the crowd's faith as well. And Jesus asked his number cruncher, Philip, said, when shall we buy bread uh, and, that these may eat? That's what he said. Uh, and John, who recorded this miracle in the gospel, added this footnote for those of us who were not, were not there. He said, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he was about to do or what he would do. And Jesus held back a, a little smile because he knew uh, he was about to multiply a Lunchable to feed a city, but Philip did not know that. I feel like uh, at this point, um, something occurred to me while I was driving in. This isn't part of the lesson, but something occurred to me is that, do, do you know how many people are in the Madison metropolitan area, the MSA, the Madison Met- statistical area? Do you, anybody know? 400,000, it's it's closing in on 500,000, but within the next 10 years with the expanded growth around the area, we're looking at 600,000 people. Now, how many people are in this room? How many people are in the, the small, we have, we're starting new churches, there's churches popping up everywhere, but can you, just the, the amount of people compared to the amount of, of people that are, are trying to feed and the amount of money that it would take to reach 600,000 people, it's really comparable to 15,000 people sitting there looking for at one Lunchable. Like, how is this going to work, right? Think about it just in our own church. If it was just upon our, our shoulders to feed all 600,000 people in the Madison metropolitan area, that seems in, it's in, it's really impossible. The numbers don't really add up. Like, how is it even possible? Even if all of us quit our jobs immediately and we all went and got licensed to be ministers and we all were completely uh, not doing anything else for work, just this group would have to work, like, basically around the clock to feed that many people. Just lunch. But what about spiritually? Spiritually, that's a whole nother ball game, right? You're talking about marrying people, burying people. You're talking about marriage problems. You're talking about teenagers, youth, children, all of the things that goes into ministering to that many people. But somehow Jesus was showing Philip, the number cruncher, that you don't always look at the numbers with Jesus. Jesus can do things that we aren't able to do. And sometimes when we go back to Jesus to look for more like, how's, how, how can we do more, Lord? And somehow he has his hands full, and we just have to pick that up and go and feed the crowd, right? Uh, that's, the, that's the thought that I had today. The disciples didn't have eight months' worth of paychecks stored up. They had been following Jesus for the last eight months. So these were ones 
Very similar to what I just said. They quit their jobs to go and help Jesus do his ministry. And at that time, Jesus' first ministry was men's ministry. He, his first ministry role was to bring 12 men and be their spiritual father. Now this 12-men group has grown to 15,000 people on the side of a hill, and it's a little out of hand. And uh, in case you didn't realize, all these disciples, they have not worked, and Jesus hasn't worked, so they've been just kind of going off from town to town, kind of living off of people's offerings, uh, basically in what, what Scripture says, that people were feeding them and bringing them into houses. And we got a lot of stories of Jesus in houses getting fed. So there wasn't the money for this to occur. They didn't have paychecks. They didn't even have pay stubs. They hadn't been to work. But they did have a little lunch and five barley loaves and two small fish. A couple of disciples may have sighed. Barley loaves? Now, if you think about barley loaves, barley loaves in that day and age was like the poor people's food. It was like the oatmeal of lunch, you know. It wasn't what everybody would have wanted, but it was, maybe it was crackers and cheese, so to speak, for lunch. Um, it wasn't that great of food, but it was what was available. Um, you, you can imagine, it's like maybe they were looking, it's like, don't you got like a Pillsbury Crescent roll in there somewhere, Jesus? You know, can you turn this into something else? But he provided what was necessary uh, for the moment, just a lunch. Uh, he's, a, he's a dynamic teacher, um, they probably wondered, but he's no chef. Obviously, there was just out in the middle of nowhere, there was no way to bake bread. Like, they had to bake the bread. It wasn't just a scenario where you just drive to the store and you just load up like, okay, someone gave us a bunch of money, so we're going to go to Costco and we're just going to load up a big truck. Now, this would have to have been, an, it would have to be the same as basically starting a bakery and going and buying all the raw ingredients and letting the dough rise and the whole nine yards. That's a lot to happen, but Jesus bypassed all of those things just in a moment by making it happen just in his hands. So something that you should consider in this storyline is that and what's kind of a part of, part of the theme of these last few lessons in our God's Word Life series is that it's showing uh, who, who Jesus really is, how much of a miracle worker he is. But in this instance in particular, um, it was Jewish custom for the father of every family at the time of the meal to sit down and to pray to God uh, over the meal. And that's why Christians do this. We take this from Jewish culture. The Jewish folks, this is, this is really what they would do. They would sit down and they would, they would have the father pray over the meal. And then the father then would break the bread and then disperse the food. Uh, now, I don't know. Did, I, didn't, I grew up in most of my meals were like we were driving through Taco Bell growing up. And uh, now we're an hour from church, and so we're constantly on the road and eating quite a bit, like just moving. But I, I think of a lot of families, like they have this set, 100% set time for dinner. Anybody have a dinner time that's like absolute, you have to be there for dinner? I'm looking. We got one, two. Two people in this entire crowd that lived that way. But this is the way it was, is that it was set, and that's the way it had to be whenever you had to prepare, Right? And so now the preparation is like, well, I, I buy my food online. They send it to me in a box. These little kits come out, and it takes five minutes to microwave. And But it's, it was a different day and age in that time. And so I think about that is that uh, we don't really understand all that goes into what it took just to survive, just to eat. Like you had to have 
a system in place just to eat or, because you couldn't just stop at Quick Trip and grab a slider, right? And uh, or a lunchable that was already prepackaged all in this plastic and this like QR codes in the back and Reese's stuff inside to stuff like that. And so uh, the Jewish family. So in this preparation time, uh, uh, the 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 mothers or the the women they would typically prepare the meal, but then the father at the head of the table would take the bread for the meal and then they would break it. So one of the most common mealtime prayers was, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. That was a very common prayer right before they would begin to pass, pass the food around the table and disperse it. Jesus, in this instance, as you can tell, was acting as the Father for the entire crowd. You understand what I'm saying? So Jesus was the, the provider, and the, the father figure. He was stepping into a role, and everyone in that moment knew what was happening. It was time for dinner. And now, as culture would have it, the father would take the bread and break it and then disperse it to the family with a prayer. This is literally what Jesus did, acting as the father, the father figure here of an entire crowd of 15,000 people. I much, a lot of people were probably just scratching their head because especially the ones close enough to see that was just two fish and two little loaves. I'm not sure how many people realize that the food wasn't all prepared. No one had spent three days fishing or four days preparing the bread, but literally in that moment, Jesus just made all of those things happen simultaneously. And so then he gave the lunch to his disciples and told them to feed the crowd, and Jesus broke the bread with his disciples and served it. So we can hear the disciples' thoughts between the black and white print of the page. This isn't going to last is probably what they thought. They were very practical thinkers sometimes, and lots of times they questioned Jesus with their practicality. The first disciple may have served his lunch uh, with, a, with a side of advice whenever he handed it out, said, you guys share this food and chew very slowly. Chew very slowly. Enjoy every little bit of it because we're almost out already. So it's just... Out of the corner of his eye, he may have seen other disciples serving other groups and wondered, where did they get more bread? And when the disciples returned to Jesus, Jesus handed him more bread and more fish. And then the disciples served another family with a side of different advice. Go ahead, take some more bites. We must have found more bread when I wasn't looking. The other disciples were taking bread and fish to their groups and returned to Jesus for more. And each time Jesus gave them more to give the hungry families. And the crowd could hear Jesus' followers laughing at this point point. said, Eat up, guys, we have plenty. Because they could see all this bread and all these people eating everywhere. They looked out and everyone has food somehow. And after a long time of going from group to group, the disciples circled around to the group that had already been served Everyone was full, and people shook their heads and held their stomachs when the bread and fish came, uh, fish baskets came by. No one wanted any more. And Jesus had fed the 5,000, including teenagers, with a poor boy's bread and two small fish, and the disciples carried out 12 baskets to take home. This miracle started when Andrew looked around to see what he could offer to Jesus. That's the start of the miracle. The start of a miracle was very simple. Andrew looked around. He didn't count the numbers. He didn't do the head counts. He started looking for a solution. Philip was looking at the problem. 
Andrew was looking for a solution. I want to say that again. Philip was looking at the problem. Andrew was looking for a solution. Hear me again. I can't say this loud enough. Philip was looking at the problem. Andrew was looking for a solution. That mindset will take you very far with Jesus. I want you to understand that is the simple simple story of this entire miracle is that one man was looking at a problem and Andrew was looking for a solution. If you wake up tomorrow and you look at the problem of reaching 600,000 people in Madison, you will see a big problem. But if you wake up tomorrow and you look for a solution and you give that solution to Jesus, he can take it and bless it and break it. And you have no idea what Jesus can do with your attitude change. I'm asking every one of you today in this Bible study that if you wake up every morning of your life looking at the problem, counting the cost, and seeing not enough, and this is not going to work out, and thinking of all those thoughts that are constantly beating you down, I want you to know there's a Jesus standing behind you as you do the head counts with a grin on his face waiting for you just to stop. And take some fish and bread to some people. We look so many times. We, we have, we're in a faith-filled church. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Maybe you have been made accustomed to it. Not many churches that you've ever been a part of want to start 25 other churches. I don't know of any. I don't know of one. On, on the face of the planet, I know of a couple that have tried over the course of many years, and they eventually got it done. We're in that situation where we know the money is not enough. We know there's not enough people. That's not the problem. The pro- we're, we're, we're trying to find a solution. to what, How is it going to look? What's it going to look like? How is it going to be? And so we got somebody like Nate Neesom's like, well, this guy I'm working with, at the gym, he just wants, he's just hungry. So he brings him some food, some fish, and some loaves. I don't know that we all know what's going to happen at the next time we come back to Jesus. Will his hands be empty, though? I doubt it. I feel like Jesus is trying to tell us, uh, try to tell everybody in this, in this miracle, this isn't a parable, this isn't a story, this is something that happened. In that same way, doesn't Jesus, won't he do it? Isn't that what we say? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Say it with me. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? I know he will do it. I know he will do it. Um, I don't, I'm going to get off track for a minute here, but, you know, I've been working with the Solbergs a little bit. We... For over a year, we kind of going back and forth on Soberg's wanting to plant a church. I don't know the conversation. A lot of times we were looking at problems, weren't we, Brother Soberg? We talked at camp about some of the problems. Problems this, you know. We're, we're counting the heads, like, I don't know. And, you know, one day God's like, hey, you drive down here to Waterloo. There's going to be a building that's going to be ready to go. And I'm like, okay. So I did. And sure enough, like five minutes later, we had a place. And then Brother Soberg has a lot of stuff going on in his life, and I have a lot of stuff going on in my life. But Brother Soberg's like, 
shrugs his shoulders like, give me some bread and give me some loaves. Let's get going here. And we'll see what happens. And that's the scenario that Jesus can work in. Don't you understand? It's not what we can do. It's what he can do. It's not what we, it's not our capabilities. We don't need to empty all our bank account for Jesus to do what he wants to do. Sometimes we just need to make sure that we can find one Lunchable. And it's like, it's not much, Lord, but maybe you can do something with this. It's all I have. It's all we can find. But we're willing to give it. We're willing to let you do something with it. And I believe that that is the miracle that will happen here in Madison. Just a small church. We're not that big. Just a small group of people. But I think we can reach the world around us if we give it to Jesus and let him do the work. The problem is sometimes we're like, (laughs) I wish I had a little kid here because I was going to do this, but sometimes we're like, the kid is like hanging on to his lunch, you know. It's like, come here, kid. Like, hang on to this for me. The kid's like, I don't want to let it go. This is my lunch, you know. I I mean, I'm not, I, I, this is this is my provision. I don't really care to share. We don't really talk about, you know, the kid has not even in the storyline that big. He was just like, oh, here we go. You can have mine. Wouldn't take, I think it, God can work with one kid in this situation. Do you think that he could work with one kid in Calvary Gospel Church that wants to reach his school? Can he work with one of you who are working, maybe you work in a big office complex filled with hundreds of people. Maybe God can do something with just your just your lunch break. Amen. I'm off track a little bit. Let me just go back to some of the notes here. Yeah, the rumor was were true. Jesus really did work the miracles. Everyone in the mountainside, the multitude who witnessed what happened, realized that Jesus was not just a man. He was a miracle worker. When we have that same revelation, we'll want to make him our king too. You understand what I'm saying? When we have that same revelation that they had, they're like, wow, whatever just happened, we want to make this dude our king. That's literally what Jesus said in that very last verse. He's like, we, they witnessed it, and they wanted to make him his king. I'm wondering, have you witnessed enough of what Jesus has done in your life to make him your king today? Are you wanting to do what they did and just crown him the king? Now, he didn't want to be just a king of of one group of people. He wanted to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the king of all the universe. And so maybe it was it was flattering in the moment that they wanted to do this thing, but he had bigger bigger fish to fry, so to speak. He wanted to do he wanted to do greater miracles. He wanted to win the whole world, not just the fifteen thousand people on one hillside. They they were about to crown him king though. They had been waiting and praying for their Messiah to come and it appeared that he had come. And some of the men cried out, this is of truth the prophet that should come into the world, which is prophecy of the Old Testament of of the Messiah who was going to come and and redeem Israel from all of their troubles. He is the prophet, and the prophets prophets prophesied that was coming. That's a lot of prophets in one, one sentence. The crowd response made sense. Who would not have wanted to crown Jesus king after what he had, they had witnessed? If Jesus could multiply bread and fish to feed a city, what else could he do? Could he wage war with the formidable Roman army and win? They were willing to risk their lives and his to find out. And crowning him king was a signal of revolt against Rome. But they were they were sure uh, they were sure re- they were sure revolt was worth the risk in this situation. They wanted to go ahead and start fighting the government at that time. 
They may have even thought back to the scroll of Deuteronomy. The Lord had prophesied to Moses, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Deuteronomy 18.18. And they were right about Jesus' identity, but they were wrong about his mission. And sometimes we can be right about the identity of Jesus, but be wrong about his mission. We have a good understanding of who Jesus is, but we might not have a great understanding of what he wants to do with you and what he wants to do with Madison and what he wants to do with the things that you're not yet willing to let go, but just let him do it. I don't know how else to say it, but man, it's time to let Jesus do what Jesus can do. Amen? His purpose has not changed from their days to our day. He is still seeking and saving the lost. He can, uh, he can empty every hospital and fill every bank account, but he does not just want to give us more comfortable life. He wants to bring us eternal life. Amen. One day every crooked limb will be straight and every cancer will be healed and even death will bow its grisly knee to the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what will we... What will this really matter on that day is that our souls are right with God. That's what's going to really matter. Every one of the men and women and children in the multitude, eventually they died. And they were still under the Roman rule. But even the rulers of the Roman government, they died as well. Yet their battle is still our battle. We don't fight against Rome. It wasn't a... we're not in a temporary situation. They've seen their, their situation as a permanent problem, but it was really temporary compared to the eternal life that set, is set before us. So our problem is not this, these temporary problems that we think that we're fighting. And this is sometimes the th- thing that distracts us from the kingdom of God and what he wants to do with us is that we're so busy worrying about the temporal problems that we're looking at. We don't realize the eternal consequences of not letting Jesus do what he wants to do in our lives. So we're not fighting against Rome, but we fight against sin, and therefore we must realize that Jesus' true mission is to seek and to save them that are lost. And he wants to use us to do that. He wants to use us. He wants to put the, the meat and the bread in our hands. He wants to entrust us to do that. One day we will uh, have the holy honor of crowning Jesus as king. Amen. But not just, not just of one nation, not king of just one nation or, or just one people. We will crown him the king of kings and lord of lords. That's what Revelation 4.10 says. We worship Jesus for who he is, not for what he does, by the way. If our devotion hinges on Jesus working miracles for us every time we make our requests, he is not really Lord. And we will be disappointed and even delusioned with God because he did not uh, do everything that we wanted him to do. But if he is Lord, he can say yes, no, or not yet. And we will still worship him because who he is and not just because of what he does. So Jesus is Lord and not us. He's the one in control. We should stop counting heads and just turn our attention back to Jesus. When Jesus realized that the people would try to make him uh, take him by force and make him king, he left the crowd as he instructed his disciples to board the boat. He would meet up with them after he climbed another mountain to pray. 
And perhaps as Jesus walked up the mountain, his mind looked ahead three years to another mountain he would climb, the, the future mountain that he knew he would climb since the day he was called out, out into the darkness. Let there be light. This is our Jesus, the King of kings, the one who said, let there be light. He, he knew from that moment that there would be a hill that he would climb called Calvary where he would give his life for all of our sins and all of our friends' sins that somehow we would be able to take bread and, and meat to the hurting and the lost. That's his, his big goal. And so, uh, in closing, Feeding a City with a Sack Lunch is the title. I'm wondering if anybody feels that their life offerings to Jesus is very similar to a, a quick trip bag with a, a lunchable in it. Not much, right? But that's all he needs. He just needs a willing vessel, someone who's willing to look for a solution and not look at the problem, willing to give the thing that they have and see what Jesus will do with it. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to read our 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 last portion of this as we stand um, of this lesson. For years, precious few people knew that Larry Stewart uh, knew what Larry Stewart really did for his city. Later, all of Kansas City knew that his uh, knew him as the Secret Santa. Sorry, I'm reading this uh, kind of fast. As the carolers began to sing, Larry bundled up wads of hundred-dollar bills and gave them away to uh, in places like diners and laundromats as gifts to people he thought needed help during Christmas time. But decades earlier, Larry was homeless and hungry. He strode into Houston, Mississippi, and into the Dixie Diner in 1971, and he ordered the biggest breakfast on the menu, intending to sneak out before the bill came. He was going to, uh, what do they call that, dine and ditch? But Ted Horn, the owner of the diner, had been running the diner long enough to see the signs. He knew the drifter in his diner was about to dine and dash. So Ted walked up behind Larry Stewart and handed him a $20 bill and said, I think you dropped this. That simple, single act of kindness changed Larry's life. Larry moved on and started working, but for two years in a row, he lost his job just before Christmas. He was in a warm restaurant on a cold day, wondering and worrying how he would make it uh, when he noticed a car hop taking food to customers in their car. Now in the South, that's what they, there's these things called car hops, and they take food out. And they had, when they brought a Sonic up here, you probably witnessed it a little bit where they roller skate out a little bit, but in the South, it's pretty prevalent that you would drive up and people would bring you food out to your car. He noticed this lady, she's freezing. So I can imagine it was probably 50 degrees or so. Um, <laughs> um, so he knows this car hop freezing, and for a moment, Larry forgot about his worries, and he gave the car hop as much change as he could, uh, could find to help her, and she cried because of his kindness. And Larry vowed if he ever struck it rich, he would return the favor 
of Ted, the owner of the diner. And so Larry did strike it rich, and he did return the Ted, uh, return to Ted Horn's favor. And before Larry finished his battle with cancer in Kansas City, the Secret Santa gave away over one million dollars to poor and hungry people during Christmas time. He even visited the owner of the Dixie Diner and gave him $10,000 because of Ted's kindness earlier, years earlier. And compassion for the hungry and hurting moved Larry to give away what belonged to him to bless someone else. And compassion for the hungry caused Jesus to stay with the multitude when he would have preferred to rest. The compassion coupled with the power of, the Almighty, of Almighty God caused Jesus to multiply five barley loaves and two small fish to feed a city of hungry and hurting people. And Jesus is still moving with compassion toward us as we, as he uh, has moved with compassion toward the people in John chapter 6. We may not need loaves and fishes, but we do need healing or forgiveness or salvation or deliverance or enough money to pay the bills so that we don't lose our home. Whatever the need uh, we bring to the hillside, Jesus is able to meet them because he has all power in heaven and earth. And Jesus is willing to meet our needs because he still provides for his people when he is moved with compassion. And by the way, if you don't realize, he's still moved with compassion today. This is why we exist as a church. He's, we don't, we're not here because of us. We're here because of him. We're here because his compassion is still present in the earth today, and he still wants to reach the lost. And so the church is commissioned to do that, to bring bread and fish to hungry people. Amen. Let's all pray. Lord Jesus, I ask you to touch this crowd today, this church. I ask you, Lord Jesus, those who are holding tightly to their lunch, Lord, somehow, Lord Jesus, you'll talk them into just trusting you with the provision that they have so that you can break it and multiply it and give it back, Lord, a hundred, a thousandfold, Lord Jesus. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to to bless everyone who's hurting here. God, your compassion is here to heal and to deliver, God, we ask you, Lord, whoever has showed up in this room today, Lord Jesus, that they would see a miracle uh, that's been given to your hands, Lord, that you give it back to them, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have children, don't forget to pick them up, and we'll be starting service again in about 10 minutes.